Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Trent Rogers with a biblically grounded discussion of body stewardship countering harmful viewpoints. We can do whatever we want with our bodies, it doesn't matter. And honestly, that's not a new thing in Christianity. That was that was a really early uh, heretical teaching that existed even in the earliest church, that the body doesn't matter. But we want to say, like, the body does matter. Uh, and, and you can appeal just even to the incarnation of Jesus mm. Christ to say, the body matters. Trent Rogers, next. Today's guest is quick to point out the Bible doesn't mainly set out to address the role of our physical well-being. However, for believers in Jesus Christ, that faith does have implications for all of our lives, including issues about health, fitness, and appearance. And since Jesus is Lord over everything, including our bodies, questions about how we steward them must be grounded in the Bible. Cedarville University professors Dr. Trent Rogers, Jeremy Kimball, and David Peterson have written A Christian Guide to Body Stewardship, Diet, and Exercise. It's actually a textbook for a course taught at the university. Dr. Rogers, the book is discussing body stewardship from a biblical perspective. Can you help us understand what that means? We get these students in. They have all sorts of messaging that they receive in in culture, uh, ranging from, you know, do whatever you want with your body, to uh, an idea of your body is the ultimate good, so you have to tend to it, and, and, or that the body is really just a, a, a source of, of pleasure for you. That, that's why we have a physical body. Mm-hmm. And so we want to counter that and to say we need to think biblically, uh, not just culturally about our bodies. So we want to start with the idea that God created the physical world. So on the very first pages of Scripture, we want to say God created the physical world, which means He created our bodies. He he created us for embodied existence. And the normal uh, existence of the human life is an embodied existence. And so God created the body. God cares about our bodies. And there's a lot of God's instruction to us. That involves how do we operate in our physical bodies, whether in the Old Testament, that's dietary restrictions um, that set God's people apart in part by how they use their physical bodies. Um, And then we also want to say that God will transform our bodies. So um, the embodied existence is not some, we we shouldn't look down upon it as if, it's only for a, a temporary time. No, God says in 1 Corinthians 15 that, that that body will be transformed. Your students have all kinds of different views of the body, and certainly adults do too, believers. And it's sort of, it's part of the air that we breathe. And the scripture, of course, says to not be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And I know that that's obviously what uh, the Lord is doing in, in, in all of our lives, and that's what you're, you're helping to shape in the lives of, of your students is a, is a mindset that's transformed 
by the scriptures. I'm wondering if you could talk about some of the major cultural viewpoints of the body that that have effects on us, the body and physical fitness, that we need to think critically about, we need to think biblically about, and maybe in some cases to reject. Yeah, that, that's great. Um, so actually, we one of the, the first things that, that we deal with is common misconceptions about the body and physical fitness. Um, and, you know, we, we wanted to include those because uh, we just put them on the table and to say, these are some of the things that you're being uh, taught to believe, and uh, we want to counter that. So actually, the first one that we, uh, we deal with is that the body doesn't matter. Mm. Um, and w- we've seen students uh, just kind of having an approach like, we can do whatever we want with our bodies. It doesn't matter. And honestly, that's not a new thing in Christianity. That was, the, that was a really early uh, heretical teaching that existed even in the earliest church, that the body doesn't matter. But we want to say, like, the body does matter. Uh, and, and you can appeal just even to the incarnation of Jesus mm. Christ to say, the body matters. Um, if we can say, if we can all agree that Jesus's physical life, death, and resurrection matter, we can say that the, the body matters. And, you know, we can also, I mean, First John in part is written to counter the false belief that denies um, the bodily existence of the, the Son of God. Uh, I think another, another myth is that there's a this strong disconnect between the body and the soul in the sense that students might say, like, well, yeah, I, I know that God cares about uh, my inward being, but he doesn't care at all about my outward uh, outward being. So we want to counter that. We also want to counter the idea that, um, that physical appearance and athletic accomplishments define me. Uh, students mm-hmm. come in. And uh, you know that that really is a strong message that that they hear in the culture that w- who I am physically and my ability to attract the alt- uh, the opposite sex that's what defines me, and we want to counter that with a a biblical view of of beauty. I just wanted to follow up a little bit where the uh, going back to the first one the body doesn't matter that as you say that was an ancient heresy that was uh, early on in biblical times, and that was, wasn't there a group? Was it the Essenes, the ascetics, or something to that effect? Well, it's, it's taken various forms, um, but, uh, I mean, you, you, could, you could see it even in, in some Gnostic groups. Gnostic. You know, Gnosticism is not this, like, definable uh, group, but it, it's kind of these uh, various heretical forms that uh, that crop up, but some forms of Gnosticism say the body doesn't matter. Uh, what matters is they would say the eternal uh, soul. We, we would usually say immortal. Uh, that once God creates, that it that it exists forever. Uh, for you know, doesn't doesn't die. Um, but um, their their belief in some of these groups was body doesn't body doesn't matter. So yeah, let's let's engage in whatever pleasure we want but make sure that the soul is refined. And I'd like to ask you, too, uh, as you say, it's, it's, it's all around us. It's college students in your case, but it's the culture. It's every television program we turn on, movies. The emphasis is on, of course, physical appearance or athletic accomplishments, uh, those kind of things. Th- those People do find their identity strongly right. in those things. What is the biblical counter to that, to the, both of those? Yeah. I mean— the uh, one of the clearest verses, First Peter uh, three, 
don't let your adorning be external. And I think the the emphasis there is is merely external. So it, it's not that um, it wasn't inappropriate for me to well for you to comb your hair today. I didn't have any hair to comb, uh, but that <laughs> um, there wasn't an inappropriate action. But don't let it be merely external. And he says the braiding of hair the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing that you wear. Again, it's not saying that you shouldn't wear clothing. It's just saying that that should not be merely your focus, right? But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So, I mean, this just gets down to uh, when we talk, we have a lot of students who are discerning, is this this person I'm supposed to marry? We're not saying that the physical attraction is is a bad thing. In fact, that's something that God's instilled in us. But uh, we want to say why, uh, like why this person, if it's merely physical, then we want to say, well, is there any adorning of the hidden person of the heart? And we want to challenge our students uh, to to focus on the heart. Now, again, this this class is to say steward your body well. Um, but the, the whole campus really is oriented to having an inward beauty of the heart. And in terms of finding identity in anything, uh, you point out, I, I think in this book, that uh, our identity ultimately is, is found for believers in Jesus is found in Christ right. rather than something outward, although we are bodies. So that's part of this discussion. But ultimately, our identity isn't, isn't, in, what, isn't in our appearance. That's right. It's not in our appearance. So there's any number of things that uh, we're tempted to find uh, our identity in. It just seems like in our current cultural moment, uh, physical appearance and physical accomplishment are, are can be these ready-made idolatries. So you think about an athlete. Well, an athlete can he can define himself by his achievement. He what he does uh, athletically determines what he wears the people with whom he hangs out, the schedule that he keeps. I mean, if not uh, done carefully, athleticism is is a ready-made idolatry for people. Now, we have athletics here on Cedarville, and I think our student athletes do a really good job of keeping athletics in their proper place, vigorously pursuing things, excelling at them, but not letting them become the defining idolatry of their life. Well, my guest today is Dr. Trent Rogers. He is Dean of the School of Biblical and Theological Studies at Cedarville University. He's Assistant Professor of New Testament and Greek there, and uh, he's co-author, along with Dr. David Peterson and Dr. Jerry Kimball, of uh, A Christian Guide to Body Stewardship, Diet, and Exercise. It is a textbook there for a course uh, at Cedarville, Uh, and we're talking here uh, about some of the cultural viewpoints uh, of the body and of physical fitness that are impressed upon really everybody that lives in our culture, and they're kind of worldwide too, and and of course you're addressing them in the context of university students, but of course it applies to really to, to, to everybody. And another one is exercise doesn't matter, and people might, uh, might say, well, the, the, what does the scripture say about exercise? It says it's of some value or of a, oh, yeah. a little value, so there's that side of it. And then also the, the side of it that might, where it could easily become an idol. But uh, if you could address maybe that, 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 those that would say that, it really doesn't matter at all. Yeah. So uh, the verse you referenced, I think, is First uh, Timothy 4. 
It's the command, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. So Paul's using an image. You know, you see people training. Like We know what it is and the sacrifice that it takes to train vigorously. And he said, you ought to pursue godliness with that kind of vigor. And he, he does admit, for while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it, hold prom, it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So uh, I, I don't think Paul here is saying, on account of this, you all need to become marathon runners, or you all need to become uh, high-level CrossFitters or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But he does acknowledge that there is some value in, in, in physical training. Now, Uh, How we have tried to frame the discussion is under the category of stewardship, that God has entrusted something to us, and that we need to be uh, good stewards in the sense of using that rightly, how God has intended it for God's glory. Um, Now, we we can talk about some of the, the, the rationale for why we want to tell students to to use their bodies uh, rightly, but that's our basic premise: is that that stewardship idea. Well, can you go into a little bit of, of detail for us there? What in, in terms of stewardship? Yep. What what does that mean? What does that look like yep. uh, in terms of the body from a biblical perspective? So, why do we want our our, our students to steward their bodies well? Well, when we think about ministry, for example, I think. Uh, a someone who's can who who at least takes some care of their body is going to have greater ministry vigor, probably greater longevity of ministry, and and probably uh, greater uh, ministry focus. So just from a, a stewardship of ministry, I think stewarding your physical body uh, it can enable greater effectiveness uh, in, in ministry. We also want to talk about self control and self discipline. Uh, a lot of us learn that self-control and self-discipline first through athletics, um, and some of those patterns of self-control can be maintained uh, through regular exercise. I don't think it's a bad thing uh, to say that physical exercise can be pleasurable. Uh, I think they're, you know, that they, they discuss the, the scientists who know those things discuss that in the book, mm-hmm. but like endorphin release that comes through uh, forms of physical exercise, th- that's a good thing. I, I think God has, has uh, given our bodies kind of those self-regulating hormones, some of which are released through physical exertion. Now, uh, my job does not require physical exertion of me in the way that someone's job a few hundred years ago would have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have the opportunity to engage in some physical activity uh, through through forms of exercise. Um, I think exercise can help be a, it can be a conduit for community. It can be a conduit for evangelism as well. Now obviously there's other any context that a Christian engages in, can be a conduit for for community and evangelism, mm-hmm. and we should think about that for for exercise as well. What about in terms of? I'm not sure if we touched on this. You you were um, a uh, power lifter at one time, a competitive mm-hmm. power lifter. You also yes. were a trainer of professional athletes, so you can speak to this. You did these things while you were a believer. You raised the issue of idolatry, where there's it can be an idolatry of the body, idolatry of exercise with all of the emphasis in our culture upon physical appearance and accomplishment and all of that. What about for, for, for the believer? Is there any, does the scripture give any guidance on that? 
uh, of when th- something becomes idolatrous. We, we talked about identity. When it becomes internally the thing that we're identifying ourselves by, when it externally is the, is the way that we want to present ourselves, I think that can be an indication of an inward idolatry. Um, and I think also just asking certain questions like, look, if, if I couldn't do this activity anymore, would that be totally crushing to me? Mm. Or would I still have the fundamental things in place that I think I am intended to do in this world? Um, so uh, when, when those lines start getting crossed, I think the Christian needs to uh, evaluate that very carefully. Okay. Well, thank you, Dr. Rogers. I want to ask you, and you, you do bring this up in, I believe, in the portion of the book that, uh, that, that you wrote. There are certain verses which are very popular in the context of, of physical fitness and body stewardship. We've seen boxers with it emblazoned on their shorts, Philippians 4.13. <laughs> and, right. of course, we, we also we hear of, uh, uh, you know, being a, being a, a good temple keeper, uh, 1 yeah. Corinthians 6.19. And so, therefore, uh, there the Bible uh, teaches that maybe, you know, Philippians 4.13, you can maybe do a tremendous feat of strength or that's right. but maybe I should let you talk about those two verses and <laughs> what they actually mean. Yeah. Uh, so probably the most popular verse to, for a crowd to hold up at, at a, at a football game or something is John three sixteen, which is great. You know, that, you know, sparks some, uh, some conversation among people now, Yeah. but the, perhaps the, the verse that's most commonly uh, tattooed on someone's, uh, someone's body uh, who's an athlete is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through, through Christ who strengthens me. Um, yeah, incidentally, that's about uh, uh, Paul enduring all things for the sake of the gospel. So uh, he knows what it's like to, ha- to be impoverished. He knows what it's like to, to have abundance. And he says, you know, for the sake of the gospel, I, I can endure all of these things because God's enabling me. So it, it's not about your bench press. It's not about your vertical jump. It's not about your free throw skills. But does it have any bearing on how we think about the body? And, and I think it, it does. Um, I would encourage uh, people to steward their body well because that body potentially could be more effective in, in ministry. So. I've got friends who do missions work in remote areas, and they need some physical capacity to be able to get into those areas. So I had one friend who actually, he had to train a little bit Mm. uh, to be able to make it to those areas. Um, So I'm not saying that, you know, he he is is more Christianly because uh, maybe his mile time went down. But I will say that he was able to reach a group of people that he otherwise wouldn't have mm. had he not done some physical training. Okay. So, if First Corinthians or if uh, Philippians four thirteen relates to <laughs> Christian stewardship of the body in any way, it's it's in that sense, not in my free throw. Uh, yeah, and then the the body being uh, the temple. Uh, you mentioned First Corinthians uh, six nineteen. Yes. Um, yeah. So. Uh, what the the emphasis there is is that there's an incompatibility with the indwelling of the spirit and somebody and then engaging in some sort of sin so uh, again it's it's not you know I, I've seen people take this to be the idea of like oh you know, I, because my body's a temple 
I, I eat perfectly clean and, and then all of this, this regimented thing. And, and also, honestly, what that ends up doing is it ends up being an, an impediment to fellowship mm. uh, because um, they, they won't eat food that's served to them. And, and it actually becomes an impediment to evangelism because um, they can't have people over at their house or uh, go to, uh, to other people's houses. You want to say that those those verses? That's not what they're primarily about. <laughs> they're they're not about diet and exercise. That, yeah, that's not their primary intent. And and I think we would say that as as the scriptures as a whole, uh, the Bible's primary purpose is not to give us a a guide for diet and exercise. That doesn't mean that the Bible doesn't have anything to say about it. Um, but the the fundamental. Uh, aim of scripture and the fundamental aim of this book are different. Now, again, it doesn't mean that this book uh, is not informed by scripture, but uh, we're, we're very comfortable in saying the main purpose of scripture is not about diet and exercise. What would you say the main purpose is? My short statement would be um, that the thrust of scripture is, is God enacts his kingdom. So I think it's about God's kingly rule uh, by bringing his holy people, the people that he's made holy through the blood of Christ, into his perfect place. We see that theme start in Eden. We see it climax in the new heavens and the new earth, in his perfect place under his righteous rule. And it focuses on his King Jesus, and it unfolds through a series of covenants. Mm. And there's a lot more to it there, too, but thank you yeah, very that's, much. Yeah, that's the short sentence, right? <laughs> no, that's great. Uh, and I know I have to let you go here in just a couple minutes, but you talked about this a little bit, but if we could talk for just a minute or two about sanctification, about God's uh, working in us to make us more Christ-like, and what is the, if there is, a connection between our sanctification, our growth in Christ-likeness, and our physical bodies? Well, there, there are clearly, there, there's clearly some connection because there are a number of sins that we commit with our bodies, right? Um, there are a number of specific acts of worship that we commit with our physical bodies. Uh, so, baptism is a physical act with our bodies. The Lord's Supper is a physical act of worship with our bodies. So, there is some connection. Um Let's just use an example. We, we, we touched on a few, but think about the, the practice of fasting. Mm. Um, that is a physical act with our bodies for a spiritual good. So uh, fasting we might define as something uh, along the lines of uh, withholding a physical good. So something that's good physically, whether that's food or, or some liquid or I think – Paul mentions it in 1 Corinthians 7, even physical intimacy among, among spouses. Um, withholding of that good for a time, for a spiritual purpose. Um, so that physical activity is a way to, I think, sharpen our prayers and our focus on God for, for a particular period of time. So there is a connection uh, between our sanctification um, and our, our physical body. 
Well, I've been talking with Dr. Trent Rogers. He is Dean of the School of Biblical and Theological Studies at Cedarville University and Assistant Professor of New Testament and Greek and a co-author along with uh, Dr. David Peterson and Dr. Jerry Kimball of the textbook, A Christian Guide to Body Stewardship, Diet, and Exercise. And we've been talking to Dr. Rogers about uh, what the Scripture teaches about uh, that body stewardship, about exercise. And we really haven't, and of course, we're not giving any any guidelines about what to do or what to eat or or how to exercise, but can you kind of give us a little bit of a summary statement? We haven't really talked about uh, the diet much, but uh, how, how can we keep all of this in balance? I mean, we have all these different approaches to eating as well, and diet, and, and uh, different diets have different emphases, and different ex- some are extreme, and yeah, don't eat this, good. don't eat that, eat more of this. I mean, uh, <laughs> what's a person, what's a believer to do? Yeah, those are good good questions. One of the the remarkable things about Scripture is how much there how much instruction there is about food. I mean, think uh, there's a significant uh, portion of of the the law that is about food. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I, I don't think the primary focus of the the dietary laws is to say this is going to make you a more healthy person. It's it's to set God's people apart. But that's a significant thing that God's people are set apart by food. And, and even in the New Testament, uh, we have instructions about food, whether that's you know 1 Corinthians 8, 9, and 10, where we're talking about not eating particular types of food, um, to uh, disputes over peop- uh, Christians not eating together. Think about Galatians 2 on account of trying to observe dietary restrictions, um, to even our acts of worship. You think about the uh, the Passover feast in the Old mm-hmm. Testament. Jesus celebrates that at the Last Supper, and then he institutes the Lord's Supper, which is a feast of worship, that then prefigures the marriage feast of the Lamb, all of this involving food. Um, so I think we should say food is important. It's important because it sustains life and it's something that we actually we use in our worship services. Um, now, we also have uh, commands not to be gluttonous. There's also a problem in the church at Corinth where some of them are engaging in, in feasting and, and just totally neglecting uh, seemingly, it seems to be poorer brothers and sisters. That's 1 Corinthians 11. So, um, food is a significant thing. Now, I'm not the expert on um, all of the you know different uh, types of food and what an appropriate diet is, uh, but I think Christians would do well uh, to be concerned and, and have a care about the, the kind of diet that they take. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to our guest, Dr. Trent Rogers, co-author along with doctors Jeremy Kimball and David Peterson of A Christian Guide to Body Stewardship, Diet, and exercise. Dr. Rogers is Dean of the School of Biblical and Theological Studies at Cedarville University. Thanks for listening, and I hope you can join us again on Monday at the same time for another edition of His People.